What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are, of course, a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. Hit me up over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. We have a lot of exciting things coming on the Ethos Fantasy BB front. Our baseball division is really taking form now. It is flushed out to more than 10 people. I'm very excited for what we have going on over there. Of course, these podcasts are posted on Ethos Fantasy BB, and you get the odd article as of now. But in the next couple of weeks, it's really going to be a completely different feed. There's going to be articles coming out pretty much every single day during the regular season and in the lead up to the regular season. And as I've teased multiple times here, our draft guide is also going to be coming out somewhere in the last couple of weeks of February, still figuring out the exact date. But my goal, and I don't even want to say a number, but like somewhere in the last third of February there, I think is when we're likely going to be launching. We have a ton of articles that are in production. I'm going to be doing a couple things myself for the draft guide, and a lot of our new members are also going to be contributing. My rankings are going to be in there. There's going to be articles regarding sleepers and busts, uh, rookies, t- rookies, ah, excuse me, rookies to target. Uh, there's a ton of things that are going to be happening. There's going to be announcements over on Twitter, so make sure you're following my account, JoeOrico99. I don't usually push that one so much. I mention it. But I I really want you guys to focus on Ethos Fantasy BB in particular. But there will be announcements coming on both of those pages over the next couple weeks, introducing you guys to the new team. It's very exciting, everything that we got going on. And I hope you guys are going to join us for this journey. You guys have already joined me on my journey here on this podcast. If you're listening, really appreciate that. But we have a lot more stuff that's going to be in store, a lot of written content coming this season. So I hope you guys are up for it because it's going to be a lot of stuff in your feed. But We are going to conclude our second base rankings today. Tomorrow, we will pick up third base. A couple days in a row without guests. It feels weird after the flurry of guests we've had recently. But they're going to pick up again next week. We're going to have Joe Pisapia coming on. He's going to talk to us about the Mets. Joe Pisapia of Fantasy Pros, of course. Kevin Hastings of Pitcher List. He's the co-host of On the Wire Pod. He's going to be talking to us, I think, Wednesday. We're still figuring out the date there uh, regarding the Kansas City Royals. And then we're going to have Mike Curland. I'm not sure if it's going to be next week or the week after. I think probably next week. And we're going to talk about the Miami Marlins. So we're going to have three more team previews coming up soon. And then there will be, of course, every other team before we start the season off. But the next couple days... We're focusing on rankings. Today, we are concluding second base. You guys can go listen to the show from yesterday. We talked about the 11 through 20 range. And back uh, last Friday, we did the first 10 names. But yesterday, we got through 11 through 20. It was Jake Cronenworth, Cattell Marte, Jonathan India, Jeff McNeil, Whit Merrifield, Tyro Estrada, Luis Arise, Max Muncy, Colton Wong, and Josh Rojas. Now, today, we're going to pick it up from spot number 21, This is a position where, you know, the more I look into it, the more I like it. You know, there's this narrative around second base that it sucks, and it's not great, but there's actually a lot of fairly decent options and a lot of guys who have multi-position eligibility. Not so much at the top, if you're looking at the top 10 or so by ADP, really the top, like, 13, there's only three guys who have a second position, and it's shortstop for, for a couple of them, and then Max Muncy has third base there. But once we start getting into this range here, the later teens heading into the 20s and the 30s, most of these guys that we're going to talk about do have a second position. So it does add another layer to their valuability for next season on top of them being, you know, decent assets in in their own right at second base. But having that second position certainly helps. The first guy, though, a horrible lead in the first guy we're going to talk about today does not actually have a second position, but it's Gene Segura. Gene Segura of the Miami Marlins now. 
I, I like Segura quite a bit. I think that his projections are very good, and we could probably expect him to reach them. Looking at ATC, he's in line for 11 homers, 12 steals, 61 runs, 53 ribbies, and a 273 batting average. It, it's pretty close to five-category production, what they are expecting from him. Now, I'm a little bit hesitant to project the speed. He's going to be 33 years old. He's 32 now. He's going to be 33 years old just before the season starts. And while he's always been pretty quick, uh, we've definitely seen those numbers decline in recent years. These last two years, 22 stolen bases combined when we were looking at 20-plus steals every year from 2013 to 2018. He had 10 of them in 2019, the short year, throw it away. Uh, but these last couple of years, the speed has not really been there quite as much. So while he's projected ATC has him for 12, the bat and the bat X have him for 10 steals, that's where I worry a little bit about his value. Now, you're, you're not going to also, I mean, it's part of the worry as well is where he is playing in Miami. The lineup is certainly not great. Uh, behind him in the order, projected to be behind him in the order, Jazz Chisholm, Garrett Cooper, Avisel Garcia, Jorge Soler, Joey Wendell, Brian Dela Cruz. It's not terrible. It's not great. It's definitely going to limit the counting stats. I mean, he's never been a huge counting stat guy to begin with. I, I mean, I should I should hold my tongue there because he did have some seasons where he scored a lot of runs, but in general, uh, you know, especially in recent years, you're not looking at a ton of counting stats. This past season, 98 games, he was very productive when he was out there. 10 homers, 13 steals, 277. I just worry as you get a little bit older, you get a you know, worse team that you're going to be playing for. I think the ballparks are not too far apart in terms of park factors. But I, I'm just... I, I don't think that I'm too off on ADP. Let me see where he is ADP-wise. 24. I've tried to avoid looking at ADP when I'm doing this. So sometimes I won't have the ADP numbers right off the top of my head here. But he's going 24th overall in terms of second base, 231st uh, in terms of the overall player pool. I guess I am technically a little bit ahead of the the, the ADP numbers as of right now. And, of course, we're looking at uh, NFBC ADP draft champions. This is from January 1st onwards. I've moved that date around a little bit in recent episodes uh, sometimes we're looking from December 1st onwards, but you know, the further we go, the more drafts that are done. You feel more comfortable moving that date forward. We were doing Christmas for a while. Now we're looking January 1st onward. And Gene Segura going as the 24th second baseman does feel like a value, despite the fact that I am a little bit worried about his production overall. He should still be able to combine for 100 runs and RBIs put together at the top of that order. Even though it's not a great order, he should still end up scoring 50-60 runs, driving in 50-60 as well, I think. Assuming health, and they are assuming a relatively healthy season here in these projections. 127 games is what they're calling for on ATC, 128 on the bat. That would be fine if he gets that, especially after 98 games last season. Batting average is going to be very good for him, too, and that's somewhere where you, you kind of worry a little bit with second base. There's not that many guys who are going to hit for a terribly great batting average. Just looking at the overall list here, he's projected for the seventh highest batting average on ATC, so it's definitely a positive there. The overall outlook, I think, is pretty good. Uh, even though the team is not great. But I have him here at 21. I think that that's fairly reasonable. I didn't even realize it was ahead of the general consensus because, I, like I said, I haven't really been looking at ADP so much before I sit down to record. Sometimes I take a look at it. Sometimes I don't. Uh, in terms of these preview shows, these ranking shows, I, I have looked at it here and there. But for the most part, I've tried to avoid it, especially when we're talking about you know those days where I sit down and go through my own ranking. So forgive me for not always having them at the top of my head. Generally, I'm very good with that kind of thing. But for right now, I've tried to, to wipe my brain clean of all of that ADP data. But moving on to number 22, and I feel like I'll probably have him a little bit below where the consensus is. Let's see. He's going to 18 uh, based on ADP. It's Brandon Drury. I have him a couple spots below. And part of me worries about a repeat of what he did last season. Now, 
I, I like Brandon Jury fine. For his career, he's been okay. When he's been given the opportunity to play, he's generally been pretty good. Decent powered numbers, you know, decent counting stats as well. And the batting average has always been fairly reasonable when he's played full seasons. We've seen him put up over 280. Uh, that was in Arizona in 2016. He's giving you 267, 274. Last year was 263. Not bad, not bad at all. I just worry a little bit about projecting him to have the same kind of power. The same. Well, first of all, there's a lot. There's a lot of worries. There's a lot of worries here in this lineup. We don't really know what they're going to be. We never really know with any lineup, but specifically with the Angels, we can generally tell you it's it's probably going to suck. There's a lot of injury concerns in that lineup, which I mean, you never really know heading into the year how injured a team or a player is going to be. But when you look at the Angels and you look at the track record, specifically recently. There's not a lot of reason to be optimistic that there is going to be a ton of counting stats available to him throughout the season. Like, assuming everybody's healthy, he could give you a very good year. If the guys ahead of him all are healthy and performing, you got Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Anthony Rendon, and Hunter Renfro. Like, realistically, that could be incredibly good if they're all healthy. But, you know, Trout, we got the back problems. Otani, we got the two-player problems. There's double the chance of him getting injured. Anthony Rendon, I mean, that's a running gag at this point, how much he's been injured recently. Right behind him in the lineup, we got Jared Walsh and the thoracic outlet syndrome. The shoulder is a mess. We don't know if that's going to be okay, if he's going to be performing at all. So the lineup does worry me in terms of the volatility there, especially with injuries. Now, with, with Drury in and of himself, he had a crazy career year last year. 28 homers, 87 runs, 87 RBIs. Now, he's performed in previous years when given more of a chance. You know, I mentioned 2016 with Arizona, 134 games. Uh, 2017, 135 games. And 2019 with Toronto, he played 120 games. Those were his full seasons before this. And he surpassed those numbers, except, except for the batting average. He surpassed his numbers everywhere. Almost double his previous high in home runs. You know, his previous high in runs was 59. He had 87. The previous RBI total was 63. He had 87 again. And those previous home run high from 2016, he added 12 onto it to give you 28 of them. He had 16 up to 28. I don't know that we are going to see this repeat. Even if we do give him what they are projecting for 115 games, roughly 114, depending on where you look, they're projecting 18 homers, 56 runs, 58 RBIs, and about a 245 average, depending on where you look. I just, I mean, I think the average, sure, 245, 250. He might even hit a little bit higher than that based on what we've seen him do over the course of a full season. I'm just a little bit skeptical about these power numbers returning again. You know, he was very, very good to start last season. He did tail off a little bit down the stretch in San Diego. And I just worry, are we going to see, you know, the very good Brandon Drury? Or are we going to see the Brandon Drury that is, you know, not bad still, but definitely not somebody that you'd want to be, you know, pushing up your draft boards too much. And I think he has fallen a little bit based on where he was going before. Let's see, 204. He's just outside of the top 200. And I believe he was just inside uh, to begin with. But I just worry that last year we kind of saw, you know, the best case scenario for him at Great American Ballpark, where we see a lot of people have career years. <clears throat> Great American Ballpark, Coors Field. We know that these, these stadiums, you know, unnaturally kind of inflate the numbers that a player is going to give you. If you're talking about a guy who spent his whole career in Colorado or Cincinnati, it's a little bit different. But when you're talking about somebody who went in there for one year, and his time in Cincinnati was 92 games, he had 20 homers, 59 RBIs, and he batted 274. Once he was traded to San Diego, better team, worse uh, ballpark. He had eight homers in 46 games, 28 RBIs, and he batted 238. And I just worry that that's closer to the real version of Brandon Drury. 
People are going to be looking to chase last year's production, which people will tend to do. What have you done for me lately is definitely a huge factor here. And maybe he does it again. Maybe he lives up to these projections and hits 20 home runs, you know, gives you 120, 130 runs and RBIs put together. And maybe he does hit for a 260, 270 average again. Personally, I'm not betting on it. I have him a little bit below consensus, even though, you know, he, he, could, he could do very well in that lineup. He has position eligibility across the infield, first, second, and third. He could be a very valuable utility player, but I would prefer to have him, you know, as a utility player as opposed to just somebody that I'm drafting as my starting second baseman. I, I think that he's fine, but there's also a lot of worry for me in projecting him to, to repeat what he did last season being outside of Cincinnati. So Brandon Drury at 22, I feel okay about it. Definitely not somebody to, to push up draft boards, in my opinion. Some people will. Uh, for me, I'm just, I'm just really not there with him. Let's talk about Luis Urias. He is my 23rd second baseman. He's somebody who I think is a little bit tricky to project exactly. Now, he's supposed to bat sixth in this lineup here. The guys ahead of him, again, a little bit volatile, but it could be very, very good. There could be a lot of counting stats for Urias available if everybody ahead of him does what they're supposed to do. Christian Yelich projected a leadoff. Willie Adamas, Rowdy Telez, William Contreras, Jesse Winker, and then Urias there batting six. It could be it could be a lot of counting stats for him if everybody ahead of him stays healthy, does what they're supposed to do. Could see 30 homers from Telez, could see 30 from Adamas, could see 30 from Yelich, could see 25, 30 from Contreras, and you could even see like 20 from Winker. There's gonna be there's a, there's a very good lineup there that's kind of you know flown under the radar a little bit because there is some volatility there, right? Jesse Winker's coming off a down year, Christian Yelich is coming off of a down, you know, several years. Uh, Rowdy Telez kind of broke out, but can he do it again? We're not really sure. And William Contreras, you know, given the reins for a full season, we're not really sure what he is capable of over the course of an entire season. So there's still some questions to be had there. But Urias has given us a couple of pretty damn good seasons in a row. 2021 was definitely better. He gave you 23 dingers, 77 runs, 75 ribbies. He stole five bases for you as well, and he batted 249. This past season, it was 16 homers, 54 runs, 47 RBIs, one steal, and he batted 239. Now, he did miss more time. He missed 31 more games in the previous year. I think we can probably expect somewhere in between these numbers in terms of everything, games played, homers, RBIs, and the rest of it. And that's what the projections are telling us as well. Now, ATC is expecting 140 games, definitely on the higher end of what I would expect there. But, I mean, it's definitely possible. 19 homers, 66 runs, 63 ribbies. Three steals and a 242 batting average. It feels very, very reasonable to project that those kind of numbers from him. It's kind of like an average exactly of what he's done these last couple of seasons, albeit with a few more games played than I probably would have expected. But he's given you short, uh, second, third, and short eligibility. He's in a pretty solid lineup. I'm not crazy about the ballpark. I'm not crazy about really anything here, but I think that he provides a pretty solid power floor once you get to this stage of your draft. And he's not going terribly expensive at all, 243. He gives you, you know, about 20 home runs roughly where when you get past him on this list, there's really not many guys left who are going to have that kind of upside. He'll steal you a couple bases. Batting average will be fairly regular. Overall, uh, I am i don't feel strongly really one way or the other about Luis Urias. I have him a couple spots ahead of ADP here, but I think in general, uh, it's, you know, we mentioned this yesterday too. There are pretty wide ranges for uh, tiers this season that I'm seeing. So there's... You know, between, and we mentioned it yesterday, between about, you know, the 11th, 12th guy going down to about 17, it, it's a it's a fairly close range. And then, again, from about, you know, 
from about Colton Wong, we mentioned yesterday at 19, down to, you know, most of the guys we're going to talk about today, it's it's fairly close. Like, the tiers are, there's not massive drop-offs in tiers here. So, I think Urias fits somewhere into, like, the, let's see here, one, two, like, the fourth or fifth tier of second baseman, and pretty comfortably I would draft any of these guys in this same kind of range here. You know, the more I look at it, maybe I want to put him ahead of Brandon Drury. They're pretty close overall. I think I'll leave it the way it is for now, but it's definitely something that I'm going to look into a little bit more uh, once we get finished here. Next guy I got up is number 24, DJ LeMayhew. Now, I, I'm i debating him as well a little bit because I feel like he should maybe even be a little bit lower. I had him as my 23rd first baseman. He's 24 in terms of second base. I am thinking I'm going to move him down the first base rankings as well because I'm just not really as big on him as I once was. I think that he's probably going to be okay. But, I, you know, there's worries that there's been some people have expressed that he may not even have an everyday role in the lineup. Like, I, I think that he probably will. They pay him enough money where, you know, they'll, they'll probably start him. But I don't think it's even a guarantee. You know, there I've seen certain projections look pretty okay uh, you know, like as of right now, roster resource has him on the bench. And I think that it's, I think it's totally possible. Like the projections in general are like 10 home runs, four stolen bases, good batting average. He's projected to have a good batting average. Like he always does 273, 274 range. Uh, I worry a little bit about the playing time. And I think that they're not really lacking from infielders, middle infielders this season. They might give the young guys a chance. Peraza, uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, they might be given a chance to have more of an everyday role here. Um, I'm not sure that he's going to play second base much over Glaber Torres. Maybe he'll spell off Rizzo at first here and there. Like he does have some value as more of a utility player, but he's also 34 years old, you know, 34 and a half. He's, he's going to be 35 next season, middle of the year. And we've kind of seen him tail off a little bit over these last couple of seasons. The power, you know, eh, we thought it was going to be a little bit more after 2019, his first year in New York. But in reality, he is a 10, 12 home run guy. Might even be a little bit less as he gets older. Stolen bases are not really there anymore, and he's not the same batting average threat that he once was. This is a guy who's batted 348 in a season, and he batted 364 during the short year. He, for the career, he's a 297 hitter. Like I don't think that he's going to get us there anymore. I, I just worry in general a little bit about what he's going to be providing. Like the eligibility, I really like the eligibility for him. Uh, what is where are we right here? First, second, and third. Like a lot of these guys I mentioned in this range are going to be eligible at a few different positions. And that's definitely a reason to consider DJ LeMayhew. But I think that he is more somebody that I would want to take as a utility slash bench spot. You know, he's in that range where you could take him in the last pick of your home league, you know, 10, 12 team league. He's right at the end there, 256 is his ADP. And I think that that makes sense because, you know, if he does play every single day, then he could have, you know, there's some decent upside there. He could give you 10 homers. He could give you, you know, six steals or so best case scenario and, you know, there's no reason why he couldn't return and bat 300. It's it's definitely something that's possible. I wouldn't be projecting it. They're projected about 275, but it's within his range of outcomes to hit 300 to give you 75, 80 runs, 60 RBIs, and give you some decent numbers. I just worry about playing time, and I also worry about the fact that he's getting older. So in terms of the rankings, again, I actually have him a couple spots ahead of consensus here just because there's a couple guys who are ranked above that I'm still not huge on. Um, Trevor Story, I think, is still going to be up ahead of him here because there's some drafts that happened earlier in January that are still being included in there. So he's someone who you can push down. Uh, there are a couple other guys we're going to talk about who I'd push down a little bit. But in general, I'm just 
a little bit skeptical about the outlook for, for LeMayhew. Like, does he get to the projected 102 games? I, I hope so. And if he does get to 102 games, then he's probably going to give you decent value. But I'm just... I'm just very worried about exactly what we are going to get out of him. And, you know, the price isn't that high, but I just like a lot more. Uh, I like a lot more guys in this range than I do him. So let's move on. Let's talk about the next guy here, Bryson Stott. And Bryson Stott is somebody that I really liked last year. I really like going into this year. I, I hope that he bats higher in the lineup than what they are generally projecting. Roster Resource has him batting in the bottom third of the order, and it's probably going to be correct. But, you know, I don't think it's crazy to see him bat somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, maybe they mess around with the order. The top of the order is just very, it's hard to mess around with Trey Turner and Kyle Schwarber, one and two. Reese Hoskins projected at three, Real Muto at four, Castellanos at five. I'm hoping they have him at six, and I don't really expect that to happen. That would be what, I, what I'd really want to see out of Bryson Stott, though, because I think realistically he could give us double-digit home runs, double-digit steals, great counting stats in that lineup and, and end up being a very good value. Let me see where he's being drafted. Cause again, like I said, kind of ignoring this, he's 20th in terms of overall second baseman. I guess I'm a little bit lower on consensus, but I I still feel very strongly that he is somebody that you should be considering. Uh, you know, he's not somebody that I'd push up a lot. And that's kind of a common theme here. Once we get to this range, I wouldn't be like reaching ahead of ADP for many of these guys and it's just the nature of once you get into the 20s when you're ranking a certain position, there's not really so much need. You know, if I wanted to push them up, you know, if I was wanting to reach ahead of ADP so much, then they'd be higher ranked than in the 20s. <clears throat> With Bryson Stott, though, I think the potential is there for a really good season. Like I said, double-digit homers, double-digit steals. He could give you like 120 runs and RBIs put together. And the batting average, you know, he batted close to 300 in the minors, over 300. Not that we had a ton to work with. But, you know, in 2019, he batted 274 in A ball. 2021, uh, he was across a few different levels. He was at A, a high A, double A, and triple A. And it was 288, 301, and 303. 2022, he started the season in triple A, nine games. He batted 333 as well. So the batting average concerns, uh, you know, I'm not really there. I think that he's probably not going to be a 300 hitter in the bigs. But a 270, 280 hitter, for sure. On-base percentage should be very good considering how much he walked in the minors. So if you are in an on-base percentage league, he's going to get pushed up even farther because in the minors we saw him walking as much as he was striking out. Now, in the majors, 7.7% walk rate, 19% K rate. Still not bad at all for a rookie. Like, it's really not. He could possibly get up to 10% walk rate, maybe trim the strikeout rate to 17 18%. I mean, maybe he doesn't trim the strikeout rate so much. It's generally in line with what he's done. But I think the walk rate can get up. Get on base more. He'll be scored more. He'll steal more bases. Overall, I think that Bryson Stott, despite the fact that I'm lower on him than ADP, I think that he is a really good value for this season. His ADP is 215. You're getting second base and shortstop eligibility. But I'd be taking him. Like, I would be taking him here. I think in this range, you know, it's a very good range. Like I've talked about, I like this range. But he's definitely somebody who stands out to me as somebody who could beat their projections. And it wouldn't surprise me. And, you know, as we go through this, I think Bryson Stott is going to be moved ahead of DJ LeMayhew. That's probably what's going to happen here. Uh, yeah, I'm still working through. This is not 100% complete, like I've mentioned a few times on different podcasts. <clears throat> We're still a couple months away from the season. There will be adjustments. And even sometimes I'll look at it while I'm recording here. I did it with the catcher show. You know, I flip-flopped Adley Rutschman and Alejandro Kirk mid-show. And it's kind of the same thing going on here. I'm looking at it and, eh, 
I don't know that I'm that big on DJ LeMayhew as I would have been. I'm going to move him down first base and second base rankings. Bryson Stott, overall, I, I'm, I wouldn't say bullish because there's a chance and there's, you know, he's projected right now to bat eighth. But I think there's a chance that we could see a very good year from him where he does beat his projections. But let's move on. Let's talk about number 26, Brendan Rogers. I like Brent. I almost said Brendan Donovan because he's going to be later on. Uh, down the list here a little bit. Brendan Rodgers, you know, batting in Colorado, it's always going to be an advantage. We've talked about this, you know, even just earlier today, we talked about everybody knows this. We all know Colorado, Cincinnati are an advantage. He's going to be there. He's projected for 131 games, 15 homers, 65 runs, 64 ribbies, and a 276 batting average. Overall, that's very, very acceptable, especially consider acceptable, Jesus, especially considering where you're getting him in drafts. He is the 30th second baseman going off the board, picked 266 on average. He's somebody who's going to be batting in the middle of that lineup somewhere. He's projected for six right now. I think the counting stats are going to be okay. I think the batting average is why you're going to be targeting him at this range. You know, you're getting somebody you know close to pick 300 at this point, 266. Okay, close enough where you're really getting a positive in the batting average category, where a lot of guys, you know, we talked about second base as a whole, not the greatest position for batting average. Brendan Rodgers projected to have the fourth highest average at the position with 15 home runs, with 130 runs plus RBIs. You know, a lot of people don't like him. I've seen a lot of discourse on Twitter about how he sucks, and he's not the greatest player. He's not going to steal you a lot of bases or anything. He's going to steal you probably zero but he's going to give you a decent floor for power, a decent floor for those counting stats, while also giving you a plus-plus batting average considering the position and considering the state of batting averages around baseball in general. People are batting 230, and it's considered to be average at this point. With Brendan Rodgers, you know, he's going to give you, you know, potentially a 285-plus average considering the fact that he's in Colorado. And, you know, the lineup around him, as much as it's not great, it's not terrible. The guy is batting directly above him. You know, you got Crone, you got uh, Bryant, you got Charlie Blackman. It's really not terrible as much as, you know, I'm not going to go out there and say it's amazing or anything, but I've seen worse. You know, Ryan McMahon there as well, who's not fantastic, but there's definitely a chance for, for Rogers to beat his projections in terms of counting stats. You know, if he gets to 140 or so instead of 150, uh, instead of 130, I could see him giving you 70 and 70. With those 15-odd home runs, maybe he gets the 20 home runs. It's totally possible in that ballpark, too. It's not something that's you know crazy. Definitely within his range of outcomes. We're talking about a former first-round pick. Somebody who I don't think is you know fully... We don't fully know exactly what he's going to be yet. Specifically playing in Colorado, he's 26 years old. Could still see 20-plus home run season. Close to a 300 batting average. And like I said, the counting stats, I think there is room for him to grow based off of what we're seeing in projections. And especially based on draft price. 30 as the 30th second baseman off the board. I wouldn't really want to start him as my number one second baseman, but I wouldn't be so opposed to it. I, I think, you know, as crazy as it might sound, you know, you take care of your other positions, you know, maybe you, you slip up and you don't get the second baseman that you want earlier on in the draft. You take Brendan Rodgers, you slot him in there, and you're getting three and a half, four categories out of him, you know, and you're investing not a hell of a lot in him. So, Take a look at Brandon Rogers getting down to this range at number 26. I really like him and what he could potentially uh, do for us this coming season. Now, this is where it gets a little bit tricky. Uh, I have Trevor Story at number 27. And again, I this is this is this is very tricky because there's some talk that I saw recently. I forget if it was maybe Jeff Zimmerman's Minding the News article, uh, that he expects not only to play in 2023 but that he should be back around the All-Star break. And let me just see if I can find that. Uh, let me see. Trevor Story, All-Star break. 
because there was some uh, there was an article or something that I was looking at. This is the reason why I even have him where I do, because if he doesn't come back for the All Star break, then it's probably not looking so great for his value. Like the projections are about fifty games. If he comes back at the All Star break and gives you seventy some odd games out of Trevor Story then we're probably looking at a definitely a positive return on investment, especially because he's been pushed down a lot in these drafts recently. Like his max pick is 595. He is being avoided and he probably should be. But once you get into that range and even like, you know, much before even I'd be willing to take a chance on him with the acknowledgement that it is a risky pick. But once you're getting here, there's not really that much upside in terms of the second baseman that you're gonna that you're gonna be drafting. You know, there's a couple of guys we're gonna talk about still. We're gonna go to 30 today, like we usually do. But overall, you know, the guys below him, uh, you know, there's there's an okay floor there. Oh, I mean, enough, okay enough floor, I guess. But with Trevor Story, even if he gives you what ATC's calling for 42 games, Steamer's calling for 71. You know, let's say it's those 71 games that Steamer gives you. It's 11 homers, 8 steals, and a 240 batting average. Decent counting stats still, even in half a season. You're going to take that, and you might have to, you know, use somebody else for the first half of that. You will have to use somebody else for the first half of the season, and that's where multi-position guys can be, you know, a, a positive. And I, I'm not huge in general on multi-position eligibility. I think that's overblown a little bit. But in this kind of situation, you're talking especially NFBC draft champions formats where you draft your team at the beginning of the year. There's no pickups in season. You get some multi-position guys, and then you speculate on Trevor Story a little bit farther down the board. He could come back and really give you a solid, more than solid half of a season. We saw pretty much a half season from him last year, 94 games, a little more than half a season. He gave you 16 and 13, and he gave you more than 100 runs in RBIs put together, well over 100 runs in RBIs put together, like 120. So if you're talking another half season, granted it'll be fewer than 94 games, but let's call it 65 games at a Trevor Story. I think I like that more than the guys that I have below him, than everybody else really in terms of second baseman. And maybe I'll get some pushback. I'm not sure where everybody else has Trevor Story ranked, but I think 27 feels generally correct. And maybe it's even a touch too low considering on, you know, depending on what news we hear about him. Maybe he comes back sooner. Maybe he comes back later and we got to adjust it. This is why these are not final rankings. This is why we're not setting in stone here. He's 27. There's not, you know, there's no change in it. He is there. There's, there's nothing that can happen. There's a lot that can happen. We're still months away from the season and we're still months away from Trevor Story playing once the season gets going. So 27 tentatively, but I also acknowledge that that could change around quite a bit. Let's talk about the next guy, alluded to him earlier, Brendan Donovan. Now, the projections for him, they're fine. They're not really the greatest. Seven homers, four steals, a 264 batting average. But he is projected to bat in the middle of that St. Louis lineup. And that St. Louis lineup is stupidly good. I love the Cardinals. I know a lot of people don't like the Cardinals. The minor league team that I played on, it was called the Cardinals, the Royal York Cardinals, where I played in Toronto here for most of the time that I played minor league. That was where I played for a couple other teams as well. Uh, I mentioned Joey Votto the other day. I played for the couple of teams that Joey Votto played for, the Bloordale Bombers, uh, the Martin Grove Express. If any, any Toronto people are listening, maybe they'll know what I'm talking about. Or maybe they've just looked up Joey Votto and you know what I'm talking about. Anyway... Always been a little bit partial to the Cardinals. Looking at this lineup here, Edmund projected a leadoff, followed by Wilson Contreras, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and then Brandon Donovan, batting fifth, followed by Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newtbar, Juan Yepes, and Dylan Carlson. Lineup is absolutely stacked. Brandon Donovan, maybe he moves around a little bit in that lineup. It wouldn't shock me to see him bat ninth. It wouldn't shock me to see him bat anywhere in this lineup. Tommy Edmund, we know that they're not huge on him leading off. 
might take Brandon Donovan and his OP and his projected, uh, you know, on base percentage of about 50 points higher. And there's a chance we see him lead off as well. I really don't know what to expect in terms of how they're going to shake this lineup out. In reality, they could probably, you know, other than having the top three or four likely secured, especially Goldschmidt and Arenado, you could probably move this lineup around any which way you want. You know, put Newbar higher up, considering how much he walks, wouldn't shock me. Tyler O'Neill could move around quite a bit. You know, there's still a lot that could happen with this lineup, but Brendan Donovan being in the lineup at all, anybody being in this lineup, I think is going to have fantasy value. And, you know, maybe Dylan Carlson, Juan Pez, it'll be a little bit more limited. But when you're talking about Brandon Donovan, and he's going as the 33rd uh, second baseman off the board here. I have him a little bit ahead at 28. But he's got second, third, and outfield eligibility. He's given you, you know, a little bit of production all over the board. He's giving you a decent batting average. He's giving you a couple homers, a couple steals. The counting stats should not be lacking in that lineup, whether you're talking runs or RBIs. And he's going to get on base a hell of a lot. We saw last season a 394 on base percentage. He's walking almost 13% of the time. It's a strong suit in this lineup. They get on base quite a bit. He'll be stealing a little bit. We saw him in the minors, you know, seven, eight steals, depending on the level you're looking at. I think he could get there again. He had two in 126 games last year. Projected for a little bit more, you know, a little more comfortable at the big league level. We still got to remember, we're talking about a 26, I just turned 26. He was a 25-year-old last year. Still don't know exactly what he can be. I don't think the power is going to be overwhelming. I don't think the steals are going to be overwhelming. But he provides a nice baseline. We'll give you a really solid batting average. And that lineup, man, like that lineup is right up there in terms of the best of them. So I have no problem drafting Brendan Donovan slightly ahead of where he's going by ADP at 303. Take him just inside the top 300. Get him before somebody else does because that eligibility is great and that lineup is also fantastic as well. A couple more guys we are going to talk about today, though. Christopher Morrell is next up on the list, and he's somebody who at times last season was my favorite player to roster in fantasy. Like, I loved having Christopher Morrell shares. He was fantastic for a while, and then, of course, you know, eventually he, he wasn't fantastic. There was definitely parts of the season where he wasn't as fun to roster. But looking at the projections for him, despite it only being 104 games, you're looking at 15 and 10. If he gives you 15 and 10, of course, 15 homers, 10 stolen bases, that's valuable. Double-digit homers and steals coming from anywhere is valuable, and it's rosterable. And I don't care what anybody says. It doesn't matter how bad anything else is. That's why you take a look at certain players. I can't even think of one off the top of my head. He's one coming to mind off the top of my head, even like you know uh, Colton Wong to a lesser extent. Guys that give you double-digit homers and steals, regardless of their batting average or whatever. Cody Bellinger last year. That's another. That's an example. Someone who's given you power. He's given you speed. You, you take it. Those categories are so scarce that you will find it where you can, and, and you will take it. Christopher Morrell, last season in 113 games, gave you 16 and 10. Granted, a 235 batting average was nothing to write home about, but the projections for this year like him a lot, you know. Steamer has him for 18 and 11, ATC 15 and 10, the Bat X 18 and 12. That's valuable. And I think that, you know, let me see where he's going by ADP because, like I said, it's kind of blacked out of my head here. 28, I have him one spot behind ADP. But I really like him. I think that there is a chance that we see, you know, not exactly better numbers than last year, but if you just extrapolate them out a little bit and he plays, you know, instead of 113 games, 125 or so games. 130 you know you could see potentially 20 and 15 pretty close to you know generally what we're seeing with projections are like 15 and 12 
But I don't think that it's crazy to think that he could beat that if he's given an everyday role. And he's currently projected to bat eighth. I think that that could move around a little bit. You could see him bat as high as fifth. Eric Hosmer batting fifth. I don't know that that's going to happen. Maybe it does. I think there's a chance that we could see Morel move around a little bit. And the projections for him, like, they're they're actually very good if you look at everybody else in this lineup, comparatively speaking. Only guys projected for more home runs, uh, Say Suzuki, Ian Happ, and Dansby Swanson. Projected for more than Bellinger, more than Mancini, more than Hosmer. Uh, overall, I like him a lot. And even though I don't think that he's going to be a, a, you know, a crazy great value this season, I, I think that overall, he's not a starter, but second in outfield eligibility, you put that on your bench, or maybe in a deeper league, a five outfield league, you do start him. But I think that you have to look at him as a 23-year-old, still not really sure exactly what he is going to be, and look at what he did in that small sample size last season. You got to think that there is more there, and you know, despite the fact that the lineup's not great, the park is pretty good, and I think overall uh, we could see a better season than Morel than what we saw last year. And it was already pretty damn good. It was already well worthy of a roster spot for fantasy. There was some some days where he was one of the best. You know, we're going to bring back our segments that we did in season. You know, the, the best players of the previous day. There were many days where Christopher Morel was talked about as one of the best players of the day. So, give him some time. He may not start the season out on fire. But I do think that we will see a better version of him. Even if it's not to start the season, I think that as the season progresses, we will see a very good version of Christopher Morrell. So keep an eye on him in your drafts. He's somebody with multi-position eligibility. Stop me if you heard that before today, who I think makes a really solid play at the end of your drafts. Now we got one more guy to talk about here, Luis Garcia. And you have to specify when you say Luis Garcia. Of course, we are talking second base ranking, so I think everybody knows what I'm talking about here. But the Luis Garcia for the Washington Nationals. He was one of the few bright spots last year on this team. They were pathetically bad. Like, they were really, really bad last season. And there wasn't really anybody that you could look at. When I, first time I was on bench with Bubba, we were doing first-half surprises. And we were looking at, in the National League, we were looking at one player from every team. I think there was a couple teams where we picked two players. But generally looking at one player from each team who was the standout from that particular organization. And Luis Garcia was that guy for the Nationals. Despite the fact that, you know, it was, it was a fine year for him. It just goes to show generally how sad, um, how sad Washington is in general and how sad, um, how sad their position players were last season. But looking at his projections... Looking at what we can kind of expect in terms of, you know, and growth is not linear as a prospect, too. But you got to expect a little bit better in terms of generally everything. And I know, like I said, it's, it's not linear. But you have to go into a season generally expecting things to get a bit better. You know, that walk rate that was horrendous last year, 2.9%. you got to figure that'll be a little bit better. Strikeout rate was higher than what we saw in the minor leagues. Probably corrects itself a little bit. Wasn't stealing the bases like we saw in the minor leagues as well. That should boost up home run potential. We saw him at 13 home runs in 37 games in 2021 in AAA. He only hit seven home runs last season in 93 games, but he is projected for, depending on where you look, you know, the Fangraphs depth chart has him projected for 15. ATC has him for 13, Steamer for 14. He doubles what he gave you last year in the home runs. He's projected to double what he gave you last year in stolen bases. And we know that he can hit for a good batting average because we've seen it for years in the minors, and we saw it at the major league level. He batted 275. Granted, you know, the on-base was shitty because the bat, uh, the walk rate was shitty. But if he gets anywhere close to these projections, which are about 13 and 5, with about 100 runs and RBIs put together and a decent batting average, I think that he makes sense in this range. And he's going as the 34th second baseman off the board, 
push them up a little bit compared to where the general public sees him. Second and short eligibility. The thing that holds me back a little bit with him is the lineup. The lineup is absolute dog water. We know this. We know it's terrible, but that's factored into his price. If he was on a good team, that he would be being drafted closer to where you're seeing, you know, even like a Luis Garcia get drafted because that's kind of, you know, not, not Luis Garcia, excuse me, um, where you're seeing Luis Arise get drafted because that's kind of, you know, a similar kind of thing. A few home runs, a few steals, good batting average. It's just the fact that he's on a bit of a better team, and it's not even a great team, but the fact that you're on the worst team is definitely going to push you down in terms of how people view you. So I like Luis Garcia. I don't think that, again, he's not a starting option at second base. He is a depth guy to have. Maybe you have him at a middle infielder slot depending on where you're drafting. He's he's a fine option, and I think that we could definitely see a better year than what we saw last year. Will the counting stats be crazy? Will they be even acceptable? Yeah, we still got to see because last year, 93 games, he did have 45 RBIs and 29 runs scored. He's projected to give you about 100 put together this year, and I think that that's probably about your best-case scenario considering he's projected to bat somewhere closer to the bottom of that lineup as well. But I still think that he's somebody who's probably worth drafting, depending on your format, of course, because if you're in a standard 10- or 12-team league, I don't think he's going to be worth it. I don't think that a couple of these guys we talked about are going to be worth it in a, like a 10-teamer, but you don't need to worry about them in a 10-teamer. You only really need to worry about, like even a 12-teamer, you only really need to worry about maybe 20 of these guys, depending on how people want to you know, set their lineups, if you want to have a bunch of bench guys Personally, I don't like having bench hitters. I like having maybe one bench hitter if you're talking a daily changes league because most of the time you're wasting that production on the bench anyway. There are leagues, like draft champions, you got to have 25, 27 people on your bench. But I think if you're talking home leagues, we're, we're probably looking at the cutoff being like Gene Segura probably of where you'd want to be having guys in 10 and 12 team leagues. Not to say that you won't have you know Brandon Drury or Bryson Stott on the odd roster. And Trevor Story, God knows he'll be drafted and put in IL spots. But I think that once you get past about 2021, 20, maybe you could argue Brandon Jury there, 22, uh, these guys are not going to be applicable to more shallow leagues. They are definitely deeper league targets today. Most of them anyway that we're talking about, of course, going past pick 20. That's just the nature of the beast here when we're doing rankings. The first day is going to be the most exciting day. The second day is going to be less exciting. And the third day where we round out the top 30 is not going to be as exciting, of course, because that's just you know the way it works. They're, they're shittier players. That's just the, the way it is going to work. And that is how rankings are in general. But guys, I really appreciate you hanging out here today and every single day that you guys have been here during the offseason and, of course, dating back to last year as well. It's very much appreciated. It does not go unnoticed, you guys showing your support. I love each and every one of you guys for liking these pods or for liking posts on Twitter for downloading, for doing all, all that great stuff that you guys do following along on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB. That's where all of our content is posted from. And I, I really appreciate it. I don't want to pile on here, but it is my birthday. Today is my birthday. I didn't mention off the top of the show. And I just wanted to say, you know, really, really, really a thank you. Because if it hadn't been for all the support, all the love that you guys have given. Maybe I wouldn't have made it here for after, you know, about a year doing this. I was hired about a year ago uh, by Sports Ethos. Maybe I wouldn't still be doing it. Maybe I would, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what would have happened if you guys hadn't supported, but I, I truly, you know, Canadian gushing thank you. I really wanted to uh, say thank you for, for all the support because it really means a lot. Now, later today, 
I'm going to be live at PitchCon. You guys have probably heard of PitchCon if you're on Twitter, if you know PitcherList, if you know Nick Pollock, you've seen it probably advertised recently. It's going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight, so about five hours from when I'm recording. We're going to be talking about players to target past the 300 ADP. I'm going to be talking with a couple people from PitcherList, both named Nate, Nate Schwartz and Nate Kosher. Nathan- uh, he has Nathaniel on his Twitter, Nathaniel Kosher, but I think he likes to go by Nate. Talking with a couple of those guys, I'm going to be hosting the panel because these guys are not quite as experienced with the podcasting. I know it sounds crazy that I'm more experienced than anybody in this field, but after you do 250 podcasts, I guess you kind of get the hang of it a little bit. These guys, not as experienced with the podcasting, still fantastic baseball minds and writers for Pitcher List. We're going to be talking about players to target past pick 300, and you're going to be getting some free sleepers from me today. So make sure you guys check that out. Everything that Nick is doing right now should be checked out, and you guys should be donating to the cause because it's really about as about as proper of a cause as you're going to find, about as meaningful as a cause that you can support and donate a couple dollars to. It's the ALS Association. And when I first mentioned this, I said the ALS Foundation. That was my mistake. This is the ALS Association. All the stuff, you guys can find it on Twitter. You can find it at pitcherlist.com slash pitchcon. You can find all about the ALS Association, all about the things you can win, the different prizes that people have donated, and how to donate yourself. And we actually donated something here from Sports Ethos as well. We donated a one-year subscription to Sports Ethos. And let's see if we've hit the number to give it away yet. We are fifth, We are $40 away from giving away the subscription to Sports Ethos right now. It's a full-year subscription. It's going to include basketball, baseball, and football stuff that is premium content. It is going to be fantastic to be on later today. It's a great birthday present to be able to chat with these great guys and be able to do it for such a great cause as well. So... You can find the information on my Twitter. You can find it at PitcherList on Twitter as well, or go to PitcherList.com. Like I said, slash PitchCon. If you go to PitcherList.com, you'll find it. But if you want to go right there, PitcherList.com slash PitchCon slash 2023. There's a ton of – I'm just looking at the prizes now. You can win a ticket to First Pitch Arizona. You guys have heard me go on and on about First Pitch Arizona. You can win a ticket to go there, a lifetime PitcherList Pro subscription. There's a McKenzie Gore signed baseball. You draft a team with our friend Rob DiPietro. Pitcher list hoodies, guest spots on different podcasts, including Triple Play Fantasy, subscriptions to every site under the sun, Baseball Forecaster, MLB The Show. There's there's so many different things that you guys can win just by donating. And I'm not even sure you need to donate to get involved there, uh, but it's definitely worthy cause to donate, sign up for the prizes, and take a look at everything that Nick has going on because Nick is one of the best guys in this industry. I'm very grateful I got to meet him. In Arizona, he's been on this podcast before, and he'll be on here again before the season starts. We'll, we'll get him on to talk some pitching. But I hope you guys are tuning in. It's Pitcher List uh, on their Twitch. They are live streaming it, and then they'll all be on YouTube later this week or next week. So make sure you guys are supporting that. But again, thank you. Really, really appreciate it. Just wanted to say that because it is my birthday. All the support is not going noticed. Downloads and reviews, they are, they are meaningful as all hell. If you do enjoy what you're hearing, let us know. Leave a review. Download the pod. Let us know what you think. Send me a message on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. Let me know what you think. If there's something you want to see, if there's certain guests you want me to bring on, you know, I'll see if I can make it happen. If you want to have, like, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr. on the show, it's definitely not going to happen if you say something like that. But you give me some names of people in the industry you guys want to talk to. Maybe you know a certain team that you want, you know, you're thinking about maybe you guys could do some of the work for me. You know, a certain person who covers a certain team, and you think they'd be great to talk with Joe about the team preview. You know, you know somebody who's a big Rockies fan or a big whatever, Oakland A's fan or something like that. They're in the industry. Let me know because maybe we can make something happen here. 
Uh, it is a lot of fun doing these team previews, and we're going to continue them next week. Like I said, Joe Pisapia, Kevin Hasting, and Mike Curlin should be joining us at some point over the next week or 10 days. But, guys, I've kept you long enough rambling here. Again, go check out PigerList.com. Support what they are doing. You guys can check me out at 7 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Pacific. We're going to be live over there. Hope you guys check it out and donate. Until tomorrow with third base rankings, guys, I hope you have a great night. Take care. Cheers, everybody. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.